It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 708 on a Saturday morning, 63 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape, doing whatever you want to do, and maybe saving a little time and a little money as well. Our phone number, 404-872-0750. Coming up for the next half hour, Kathy and Cumming wants to know when's the latest she can put out some Bermuda seed. Rich in Blairsville has Mandevilla plants that are not behaving as he expected. Braden in uh, Brazelton, Brazelton, excuse me, says... She needs to know what kind of plants provides a nice screen for the backyard. Rogers in Bethlehem, what time is the best time to level your lawn? I didn't have that quite on my screen here. Phyllis in Ackworth has something eating her roses, and she needs to cut down on their appetite. And Tim and McDonough, what is causing those big brown patches in his lawn? Our number is 404-872-0750, and you can call in and get the place of the people who are getting off as we answer their questions this morning. Braden comes in line. Braden, you're on News Talk WSB. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Um, it's Brandon. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, uh, but Brandon. Uh, anyhow, um, I'm building a home. It's going to be done in uh, late July, and it backs up to the tennis courts and the swimming pool, and I'm wanting to put something up to provide a barrier from the light that's going to be coming from the, the amenities in the yeah. neighborhood. Yeah, makes perfectly good sense. Um, let's see, so you need something relatively tall, right, to be up high enough to block that light coming in? Yeah, I'm thinking uh, 25 to 30 feet, and, you know, I just didn't know what I could plant that would, you know, be successful, mm -hmm. and also what uh, how far apart to plant them so that, uh, you know, I, I get the barrier that I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a lot of screen plants that I think of that are 10 to 15 maybe feet tall, but when you get up to the 20 to 25 range, you only have a couple of choices, honestly. And the Leland Cypress is one of them, the ubiquitous plant tree that everybody uses for screening and for you're just having some evergreen color in their, in their landscape. So Leland Cypress is one. Um, the Green Giant Arborvitae perhaps can get up to the 15, 18 maybe feet high. So Green Giant and um, uh, the Emerald Green Arborvitae. Look at the labels and see which one you think would fit your situation, how broad they get and you know how much space they would take out. But I'm thinking right now... You're looking at Leland Cypress, I think, because they're the only one I can think of that'll get up to the 25-foot height for you. All right, great. I appreciate it. Plan them about. How far, how far uh, should I? It would be great. I don't know, Brandon, how much space you have in your landscape to devote to this, but it's I think just really great to offset the Leland's or whatever you do end up planting. Uh, plant them about 10 feet apart, but have one in the middle of that 10 feet that's set up about five or six feet from the ones behind. So you have sort of an offset zigzag sort of uh, pattern as you plant them. And that gives everybody a little bit more room, but it does take up more space in your landscape. So you decide. Okay, great, Walter. Thank you so much. Big thing. Are you going to plant them now, Brandon? Is that your plan? I'm going to plant them, and I'm going to, I'm planning on planting them uh, The probably the third weekend after I move in. So it's going to be probably the 1st of August before okay. they really get planted. 
be really, really good about watering. Every week you need, depending on the size of the plant, but you need anywhere from 5 to 15 gallons of water every week. Don't let the plants dry out because I have a neighbor who has planted Leland's one, two, three times so far. And they're not so good about watering, and each time they've all dried up and died because they just hadn't gotten out and watered like you should. So be okay. sure you water well. Plan your life around watering the Leland Cypress. You don't want to waste all that money. All right, great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for calling. All right, bye-bye. Roger is out in Bethlehem, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Roger, good morning. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm fine. How can I help, Roger? Uh, we have a, uh, like, 13-year-old Bermuda lawn that appears to need some work with leveling it up and all. Okay. Yeah. Is there a particular time of year that's best to do? Today. <laughs> Today. <laughs> you want the okay. time to do it, Roger? Right now. Um, this is when the Bermuda has greened up. It's growing rapidly. If you put a layer of uh, topsoil and sand, a leveling mixture about a half an inch thick over the whole lawn and sort of break it in with a broom, uh, the Bermuda will be growing over the top of it within another three weeks, and you've got a nice leveler lawn than you did before. You know, right now is a great time. Okay, super. Thank you. All right. Good luck with it, Roger. By the way, I have a lot of notes on what kind of mix to use and a few more hints about how to do it right on my website. So just type in the word level or leveling or something like that at the search line. It'll bring you to the article about how to how to level lawns. And, of course, there are several companies in town that do uh, lawn leveling for you, have big machines and spreaders that do a little more, uh, uh, cover a lot more space, I guess, than the guy in a wheelbarrow and a broom can cover in the landscape. So you can also hire somebody to do that as well. Phyllis is in Ackworth, and Phyllis joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Phyllis, good morning. Good morning, Walter. I have an herb garden, and in that herb garden, I have five sunflowers and a rose bush. Yeah. And something is eating the leaves of my roses, and I want to know what can we spray that won't damage the herbs. What does the, what does the damage look like on the rose leaf? It's just holes everywhere, and there's little black flying insects that swarm when I go to try to pick an herb or something. Hmm. It's not likely that this is Japanese beetles because Japanese beetles come out later in the in the summertime. My bet, and you would not be the only person to have this either, lots and lots of people this year have reported sawfly damage to rose leaves. Sawfly? Sawfly. They're not those little black things you see swarming around. A sawfly is a clear-winged moth is the best way to describe it. She lays her eggs on the backside of the rose leaves. The larvae, the eggs hatch, the larvae come out, and they eat the backside usually, and then the sort of the thin place where they grazed on all those uh, cells of the leaf that either makes a little sort of stained glass look or it falls out and becomes a hole in the leaf. And the easiest thing to use, I think, for them is insecticidal soap, which won't hurt your herbs at all. But you have to just be good about getting the spray of insecticidal soap underneath the leaf. That's where they're all going to okay, be. Okay, underneath the leaf. Yeah. So if you get some uh, insecticidal soap, don't make your own. Get the branded, you know, factory-made insecticidal soap and use that, and they'll just scald the little boogers underneath the leaves, and they will mostly, anyway, be dead. But that's what you do if you don't want to hurt your, your herbs in the garden. Okay, and I want to plant an Akuba plant. Do mm -hmm. I do that in the shade? I've got one that's not in full sun. It gets two hours, three hours maybe of shade in the afternoon. If your Akuba gets some sun from sun up until around 1 o'clock, I think it would be perfectly happy. It doesn't have to be in full shade at all. It'll tolerate a good bit of shade, but it doesn't have to be in shade. 
My 96-year-old friend has one, but no berries, so she doesn't have a female plant? Well, not all of them have berries. Even, you know, the, the Akuba is sort of famously different as its uh, berrying ability. Even the females sometimes don't have berries. They don't get pollinated, or they're not the kind that makes berries. So I would enjoy it for the foliage and not always think the berries are coming. Okay. Thank you. Phyllis, great talking to you. Thanks for calling. 16 minutes past the hour this Saturday morning. Tim is in McDonough and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Tim. Good morning. What's going on? Uh, just in the past week, uh, had a, just a whole lot of small brown spots pop up in my Bermuda lawn. Huh. And by small, do you mean hand size, dollar size? What size? Um, smaller than a palm. Okay. Palm of your hand. Okay. And what's your irrigation? Do you have an irrigation system or anything that would add more water than we already get with the rain? I do. Uh, I do have irrigation, but, uh, you know, we've got a lot of rain this week, so it hasn't run. Okay. It's difficult. I mean, I have just a real struggle trying to diagnose lawn problems in the spring and early summer because it's just hard to tell. It really is. The only way you really tell is with a microscope and a lawn pathologist who knows what he or she is looking at underneath the microscope, but that's not me. <laughs> you know, I don't have the, yes, the facility to do that. Usually spots in lawns are associated somehow with water. Sometimes it's because the homeowner overwaters the lawn. Sometimes it's because of just so much rain that it keeps it wet all the time. And the fungi are thinking, wow, this is fabulous. And they start you know, reproducing and killing and feeding on the leaves of the grass. And so they make the holes or the big wide areas, depending on what the disease is. If you want to do something, even though I can't diagnose what the disease is, and it does sound like it could be one of the fungal diseases getting a little happy in the springtime, is you can okay. buy, you know, there are lawn fungicides that you can buy. Pike certainly carries a couple of them that would be appropriate for you. And spray the whole lawn, see if that stops everything. And my guess is by the time mid to late June rolls around and things dry out a little bit, the spots will gradually disappear. And be sure on your irrigation system, that's the big thing. Remember, don't let the grass stay wet overnight. Let Be sure yep. the irrigation system runs in the morning. And typically, one big heavy watering per week is really all a lawn needs. If you're watering every day, and don't do that. That's going to leave it too wet, and that's going to exacerbate your fungal problem. All right, sir. All right, sir. Thanks for calling, Thank Tim. It's 718, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to look like rain all day, but probably not actually rain on your very nice temperatures. Mid-80s this afternoon, mid-60s tonight. Again, not much of a chance of rain on anybody. It's going to be a fabulous weekend for gardening, and you'll have a great time being outdoors and not be sweating quite so much. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Wendy is in Meretta, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Wendy, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for making my Saturdays. <laughs> I have help, a three-year-old lime plant. Yeah. Nothing the first year. I did get one beautiful lime the second year. Third year, logically, I keep it inside during the winter and then put it out in the summer. I had 12 to 15 buds that were beautiful, and they came out with maybe a little 
pea-sized limes. Unfortunately, right now I have one lime left. They all fell off. Yeah. What did I do wrong? Um, I'm not sure you did anything wrong particularly, Wendy, but when you have a lime or a lemon fruit that falls off at pea-sized, that just says to me, no pollination. Pollination causes the fruit to swell and to have the pulp and the rind and everything around it. If you don't get pollinated, the plant says, hey, what's the use in you? And so they just drop the little pea-sized fruit. What do I do? Get another one? Ah, no. This is, you don't need two lime trees. You don't need double the aggravation of having to take them in and out in, in, the, uh, in the spring and in the fall. But what you can do is what I do for my Meyer lemon, and that's to take an electric toothbrush and just sort of touch it. I put the little saran wrap thing around the end of the toothbrush so I don't get pollen in my teeth when I brush my teeth. But you go out and turn it on. Uh, when the flowers are on the plant, you know, they're on for... Uh, two or three weeks, you'll have some here, some there, another one on the other limb that come out. So every, I don't know, three or four days, go out with the electric toothbrush, go somewhere down a limb that has a flower on it, and that will distribute the pollen a lot better than just air currents inside the house or or air currents and insects outdoors. Okay. So just have to wait till the next flowering time and then give it a little it'll do a lot better. All right, so thank you so much. Thanks for calling, Wendy. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Wendy's place. Don't forget that you can pick up your newspaper. The Sunday edition of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution comes up tomorrow. They're going to have a great big article on the front page about problems of tra- oh man I can't even read this I didn't my printer was out of ink and I couldn't even get that so $360 in coupons I know that but I know you'll find something interesting in the Sunday edition of the Atlanta Journal Constitution by the way on my website you can see the details about how you can sign up for Facebook and get the little emails that I send out a couple of times a week via Facebook you can follow me on Twitter at Walter Reeves and you can sign up for my free electronic email newsletter that comes out every two weeks and has all sorts of articles and pictures and problems and things that I've diagnosed that people have sent in to me and again that is free too all this available at walterreeves.com click the little blue button for facebook the little bird for twitter and the uh, link up in the upper right hand corner that says subscribe to newsletter get all that information free and don't even have to get up early and listen to me on the radio how about that it's 727 at news talk wsb back to more lawn and garden questions and answers right after news never thought tonight and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 735, 64 degrees outside. What a great Saturday morning. Great weekend for that matter. If you're planting this weekend, it's fabulous because not much chance of rain. We just heard from Brad, and it's going to be more of a chance of rain on Monday when you're at work, and everything that you plant during the weekend gets watered. Awesome time. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. Rich is in Blairsville, way up north Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Rich. Good morning, Walter. How are you today? I'm fine. How can I help? We have got, my wife and I have got uh, several Mandevilla plants that are now probably five to six years old. We yeah. take them in each winter, yeah. um, and that we get prolific blooms on them. Late last year, we began to notice we had an infestation and doing some research online. It appears that they were mealy bugs, and they were all over two of the plants, and ultimately the third one uh, developed them as well. So we cut them back. Yeah. Um, 
And according to online, it said the best way to treat them was to spray them with um, a mixture of rubbing alcohol and water and also perhaps dish detergent. Um, we pruned them back to basically just the bare um, branches themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year they started to return again, not nearly to the infestation. And we're pretty much going across them and yeah. pinching them as we see them. Let me eliminate one recommendation from the very beginning, Rich. Not okay. alcohol, not dish detergent, not the stuff that you read online. You have so much of a problem and probably a likelihood of burning the leaves by mixing up these sort of homemade detergent and alcohol vinegar type things. So don't do that unless you want to take a real risk of hurting the mandevilla plants. Okay. The easy, you know, honestly and truly, the easy stuff to use if you don't mind going the chemical route is uh, eight, the bonide eight uh, insecticide. You probably heard an ad just a few minutes ago. It's permethrin and is really, really good at controlling mealybugs. And you can use it outside. So you're not bringing it inside the house. Just maybe spray once now and another time before you bring them in. And I think that would do. That would do fine how, for controlling mealybugs. How mealy do you spell bugs. that? E i g h t eight. Okay. <laughs> it's easy, you know. And they used, to, you know, we still do have a insecticide called Seven, spelled S-E-V-I-N. And I think okay. Bonide got real bright and creative and said, "We're going to have stuff. We're going to call it Eight. <laughs> it's better okay. than seven. So, you know, I, I can't say that that was the real reason they named it that, but that's my suspicion. But Eight would do fine to to kill mealybugs on the on the mandevilla. Okay, and, and apply that to both the top and the bottom of the leaves. Yeah, 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 yeah. Try to get thorough coverage, and particularly it seems to me they're usually under the leaf and real close to where a stem comes out of the main trunk of the plant. So concentrate the, the spray there. Yeah, they seem to be also, as the blooms begin to come out, they like to congregate in amongst the unopened blooms. Right, right. There's more sugars going out to develop the bloom, and so the mealybug is not stupid. They go where, they go where the best uh, meal is, out near where the flowers are. Okay, well, thank you so much. Sure, Rich. Thanks for calling. Have a blessed weekend. You bet. Comes now Kathy up in Cumming, Georgia, with a question about putting some stuff out on the lawn. Kathy, good morning. Good morning. Um, I was a good girl, and I put my pre-emergent out to kill Proanna, but it didn't kill it all. (laughs) So um, there's a spray, you know, I know that you can use to kill So I did that um, in March. And I don't know what I did because I've used it for years, but um, two-thirds of my backyard, I pretty much burnt the fire out of it. And the other third, nothing happened. It was all fluffy and green with lots of poanna. And the other part, I know it takes a while to green back up, but I'm basically, it's, I don't know how I burned it, and little green sprigs are starting to come back up. A bunch of it's come up. Not, not poanus, the Bermuda grass you're talking about. And I'm wondering what is the latest I can put out Bermuda seed if yeah. I need to do it, and how do I take care of that? Bermuda seed, if you can possibly do it today, <laughs> would be a great time okay. to put Bermuda seed out, simply because we got no rain, no rain, and then rain probably on Monday. Oh, that'd okay. be fabulous if you can get that done. Uh, so, you know, poa annua is already gone for the season now. It sprouts in the wintertime. Well, I'm pretty turns. sure I won't have any in two-thirds of my backyard next okay. year. Okay, but if you want to do the Bermuda seed, now would be great when the okay. soil is warmed up, when the rain is expected, and that'd be terrific. You know, Do you know the trick about mixing the Bermuda seed with sand or grits to sort of make it more yes, evenly applied? Yes, I don't know how much. You know, anywhere between five parts sand to one part seed, all the way to ten parts sand to one part seed. 
Okay. I mean, it's fine. Uh, just whatever. Let, let me ask, wait, uh, Kathy, let me water. ask you something. Are you using a cell phone right now? Um, no. Well, something is, keeps beeping like somebody's pushing buttons on your phone. I'm not sure quite what that is. Okay, I'll Usually on my phone, when I have my cell phone up to my, up to my face, my chin will hit one of the buttons on my cell phone. Beep, beep. You're in the no, middle I'm of sorry. it. Okay. So how, let's go back to um, mixing how sand. How much water do I keep on it? How long do I have to baby it to come up? And then I guess I have to keep the puppy off of it? Yeah, that would be nice. The puppy's not going to do any, any favors for it. I guess the watering is more a sense of um, your intuition about what it takes to keep the top half inch of soil moist but not soggy. So for your system or however you put the water down, you just want to put enough to keep the top half inch moist. That's where the seeds are. And as long as they're moist, not soggy, they'll sprout. And within... I don't know, five, six, seven weeks probably, it'll be tall enough that you can mow it. Okay. All right. So if Thank you can get you it done much. today, that'd be great. Okay. I'll get do it out it. there. Thanks for calling, Kathy. Comes Tom in Buckhead, Georgia. No, not Buckhead, Georgia, Buckhead, Atlanta. Hey, Tom, good morning. Yeah, this is Buckhead down here next to Lake Oconee. Oh, it is Buckhead, Georgia. How about that, Tom? Yeah, little bitty Buckhead out here. That's right. How can I help? Well, I've got some tomatoes that's getting blossom in rot on them, and I've got the same problem as the other lady. They're growing so tall, they're already a foot and a half taller than seven-foot stakes. So you're already seeing blossom in rot on the tomato? Yeah, I got about 30 off of there last night that had blossom in rot on them. darn. Well, hmm. The, the key thing to causing blossom end rot is fluctuations in moisture in the stem of the plant because it has to be able to carry some calcium out to the little tomatoes at the ends of the branches. And if there's not much moisture in the stem, it can't carry calcium. And with no calcium, then you get the rotten end of your tomato. So one thing to always be sure of is make sure you're watering consistently. Don't let the tomatoes dry out and then get real wet and then dry out and get real wet because that certainly interferes with calcium so transport around. Watering, the watering is a problem. That, that's that one problem. of the things. And the other one, honestly, sometimes is lack of calcium in the soil. And what yeah. I've recommended to people to do is to go to a hardware store and get a little piece of sheetrock. They all have little chunks of sheetrock that have been knocked off during the day. Uh, yeah. near the near the pile where they keep the sheetrock and sell it. And so get a little piece and um, plastic bag and a hammer and sort of hammer it up real good. And you can, now the tomato's already in the ground, but you can sprinkle the sheetrock dust about a tablespoon or two per plant. Or if you're planting tomatoes again, put a tablespoon or two in the soil when you plant them. And that way they'll, they'll always have calcium available because calcium, uh, sheetrock is calcium sulfate. And that gives you okay. some uh, calcium that's yep. available. We've only had one rain out here, you know, since back in April. Good heavens. What are you doing, yeah. Tom? It's all gone around us, you know, and I've been carrying water to them. I yeah. put like two loads a week on it, yeah. you know, a thousand gallon each time, but uh, I guess we're just not getting enough water yeah, on it. I think the fluctuations in moisture, that would be the prime you know, cause. Well, now you know something you didn't know before, Tom. How about that? But go get that sheetrock, like I said, and get some calcium sulfate in the soil, and hopefully that'll give it the calcium. It'll be available, and then if you uh, amend your watering process to make sure they don't dry out between waterings, I think you'll be fine. There'll be more tomatoes on the plant, and you'll have more things to do. Seven, eight feet tall in the air, sure, but you'll still have more tomatoes in the garden. 43 minutes past the hour, and Barbara is out in Canton, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Barbara, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? I have an old bag of malorganite mm -hmm. that I want to use. Yeah. But the instructions say to use so many pounds for so many square feet. Right. And I have 
no idea how many cups are in a pound, and my garden is not in square feet. I have individual plants, and I need to know how much milorganite to put around each tomato plant. Do I put in, do I put a half a cup of milorganite, or one cup, or how much? Generally, I mean, milorganite is wonderful because it doesn't burn. It doesn't release its nutrients fast enough to make the roots shrivel up and die. And so you're mm-hmm. not going to you're not going to kill the plants by over applying, but you may oh, waste some milorganite. So what I would do is a couple of tablespoons per plant. If you got a little sort of hand trowel Ooh, that you can loosen okay, the soil, just a couple and, of tablespoons. Yeah, that's all it needs. Do it once now and another time in I don't know mid first first of July to the mid part of July. And that'll be enough. A couple of tablespoons now. Maybe I'd up that if the plants are pretty big in July. I'd up that to about four mm-hmm. tablespoons per plant. Okay, okay. Now, what about roses, azaleas, and blueberries? They've been in the ground for three years. Tell you what, let's do it by height of plant. I think that would give us a close approximation of what you need for the milorganite. So for every foot in height on a rose, azalea, other shrubbery around the landscape, put about two tablespoons of milorganite. Oh, That'll be fine. Okay. Okay. It doesn't take much, does well, it? It's I only was thinking a, like maybe three-fourths of a cup around each that one. That seems a little – because you're going to repeat it a couple of times. There's no sense okay, in putting a lot uh-huh. of milorganite down at one time. So, again, a couple of tablespoons per foot of height. Do it twice, maybe three times during the summer. You're okay. fine. Okay. Oh, this has been very helpful. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hopeful that everything I do is helpful. Thank you for calling, Barbara. All right. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750 is my number. You want to take Barbara's place there. We've got one more call I think we can get in here before the 48th minute of the hour. Let's go to Nancy and Marietta. Nancy, join us on Lawn and Garden. How you doing? Nancy? I think Nancy has somewhere gone somewhere else, and that gives time for Frank and Decula. Hey, Frank. Good morning. Hey, how you doing, Walter? I'm all right. How can I help, Frank? Uh, about uh, six months ago, we went ahead and uh, planted some asparagus. Maybe it wasn't that long ago, but yeah. they're up pretty high right now. We just got back off vacation. We're out looking at them, and they've got little, small, black. I mean, they look like house flies, but they're mm. very, very small. Okay. But they're all over the tips of the uh, asparagus fern. Hmm. And I don't know what to put on them because they're so young. When when uh, you say they're all over the tips, do you mean they sort of cluster there or they're flying around it or what are they doing on no, the tips? They're, of the... they're landing on it and uh, I had to shoo them away, you know, with my hand <laughs> last night and yeah. they just kept coming back, coming back. But uh, and then I hmm. told my wife, I said, I don't know what to put on them because they're so young. Yeah. Uh, well, Maybe the that only night eight that you were talking about. The earlier. only black fly that I can think of that might affect asparagus, but I have never seen in Georgia, are the asparagus miners. A miner, you know, is a little larva that gets into the leaves of plants and mines through the leaf. And the okay. adult form of a asparagus miner is a little black fly. But like I say, I've never seen it before in Georgia. I've never heard anybody describing asparagus miners in their garden. So I'm sort of wow. doubting that I'm right on that. Um, but the, you're right, the Bonide 8 would work fine on it. You could use insecticidal soap even, because even if it were maybe aphids, and aphids are usually a sort of a greenish-white, not black, 
But even if it were aphids or something more common than the asparagus minor, I think either the eight, the bionite eight, or the um, uh, insecticidal soap would do fine at controlling them. And beneficial insects. There are insects around there that are eating some of those uh, plants, too, or insects, too. So we don't want to over-apply mm-hmm. a lot of insecticides. So I would start with insecticidal soap or maybe the... Um, Captain Jack's dead bug brew, and if you just don't seem to be getting control, go with eight after that. Uh huh. Okay, well, I appreciate it, Walter. All right, it's great talking to you, Frank. Thanks for calling. Right. You have a good one. Bye. It's 7.48, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, it's going to be really nice this weekend. It'll be cloudy, yeah, but not much chance of rain. Highs in the next couple of days, uh, mid-60s, mid-80s, I should say, during the afternoon, and then overnight, mid-60s for a cool-down part. Maybe a little rain on Monday. We hear from our uh, friend Brad Nitz. Your full weekend forecast will come up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We've got tickets to the Penny McHenry Hydrangea Festival coming up right now. And Rachel says we don't have tickets to the Penny McHenry Hydrangea Festival right now. So what do we have, Rachel? We have a pair of tickets to see Lou Graham in concert oh, on June 5th. Oh, the weekend 5th. prize pack. Let's do that then. we got a weekend prize pack coming up. A pair of tickets to see Lou Graham in concert June the 5th at Delta Classic Chastain, produced by ASO Presents. A pair of tickets to see Lady Antebellum in concert on July 18th at Aaron's Amphitheater at Lakewood, produced by Live Nation. Plus a pair of tickets to see Seth MacFarlane with the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra, September 18th at the Atlanta Symphony Hall, produced by ASO Presents. If you are the fourth caller, 404 741 0750, you get these valuable prize pack tickets. Now let's go real quickly and get to Jerry and Conyers. Jerry, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Uh, several years ago, you helped me save a Daphne Adoro, which is now a beautiful plant, oh, uh, by teaching me about its need for drainage. Mm-hmm. Now I need help with a hosta. Uh, I have a row of hostas, and one is uh, leaves are turning yellow, and if you just with the slightest uh, pull, they yeah. come out of the ground and they look like, almost like they have rotted off beneath yeah. the soil. It's and, still a drainage uh, problem. I figure out what's doing this. Still a drainage problem, Jerry. There is one particular disease that does exactly what you're talking about. Sclerotine. I can't pronounce the big word, but nonetheless, there's one big, uh, <laughs> big fungal disease that attacks right at the crown of hosta plants, and you pull, and they just come right off the crown. And for that, I still think drainage is going to be the key. Fix that on the hosta, maybe take it out of the ground and add some uh, organic matter or, or soil perfecter or, or uh, permatil to the ground to make it really drain quickly. And if you're lucky, if you keep your fingers crossed, the drainage by being improved will help the disease to go away and you'll have nice looking hostas there in a year. Okay. Make the All drainage right. good. Plants do not, hosta does not like to be in really soggy, soggy soil, so you got to make the soil drain out when it rains. And if you do that, generally speaking, hostas will last years and years and years in the landscape, but drainage is key. It's 7.57 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. One more hour coming up, 404 872 750